the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Hello, my friends. I'm glad you're uh, hearing online today, and uh, I have a large scripture to read that will be what I teach from that describes what you've already heard read from Matthew 20 earlier in the service. I'm reading now from Nehemiah chapter 3, verses 1 to 32. And let me begin by saying, there are a number of people whose names are given. They are not the names you would ever want to give to any of your children. So I'm going to read it a little bit slowly so I can make sure I pronounce them as correctly as I possibly can. So bear with me. We'll have a good time doing this. Nehemiah chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Eliashib, I told you, Eliashib, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They're rebuilding, the rebuilding in Jerusalem, the city and the walls. They dedicated it and set up its doors, building the wall as far as the Tower of Hundred, which they dedicated, and the Tower of Hananel. People from the town of Jericho worked next to them, and beyond them was Zachur, son of Imri. The fish gate was built by the sons of Hassaniah. They laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakaz, repaired the next section of the wall. Beside him were Mishalem, son of Berechiah and grandson of Meshazabel, and then Zadok, son of Baana. Next were the people from Tekoa though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. The old city gate was repaired by Joadiah, son of Paseah, and Meshalem, and son of Besodiah, and they laid the beams, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. Next to them were Melatiah from Gibeon, Jadon from Maranoth, people from Gibeon and people from Mizpah, the headquarters of the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River. Next was Uziel, son of Harahiah, a goldsmith by trade who also worked on the wall. Beyond him was Hananiah, a manufacturer of perfumes. They left out a section of Jerusalem as they built the broad wall. Rephiah, son of Hur, the leader of half the district of Jerusalem, was next to them on the wall. Next, Jedeiah, son of Haramoth, repaired the wall across from his own house, and next to him was Hattish, son of Hashabaniah. Then came Malkijah, son of Haram, and Hashab, son of Pahath-Moab, who repaired another section of the wall and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Halohesh, and his daughters repaired the next section. He was the leader of the other half of the district of Jerusalem. The valley gate was repaired by the people from Zenoa, led by Hanun. They set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars. They also repaired 1,500 feet of wall to the Dung Gate. The Dung Gate was repaired by Malkajah, son of Rechab, the leader of the Beth Hakarim district. He rebuilt it, set up its doors, and installed its bolts and bars. The fountain gate was repaired by Shalom, son of Kolhoza, the leader from the Mizpah district. He rebuilt it, roofed it, 
set up its doors and installed its bolts and bars as well. Then he repaired the wall of the pool of Siloam near the king's garden, and he rebuilt the wall as far as the stairs that descend from the city of David. Next to him was Nehemiah son of Azbuk, the leader of half the district of Beth-sur. He rebuilt the wall from a place across from the tombs of David's family as far as the water reservoir and the house of the warriors. Next to him, repairs were made by a group of Levites working under the supervision of Rehum, son of Bani. Then came Hashabiah, the leader of half the district of Kiela, who supervised the building of the wall on behalf of his own district. Next, down the line, were his countrymen, led by Benui, son of Henadad, the leader of the other half-district of Kilah. Next to them, Azer, son of Jeshua, the leader of Mizpah, repaired another section of the wall across from the ascent to the armory near the angle in the wall. Next to him was Baruch, son of Zabai, who zealously repaired an additional section from the angle to the door of the house of Eliashib, the high priest. Merimoth, son of Uriah and grandson of Hakos, rebuilt another section of the wall extending from the door of Eliashib's house to the end of the house. The next repairs were made by the priests from the surrounding region. After them, Benjamin and Hashub repaired the section across from their house, and the Azariah, son of Mahasiah, and grandson of Ananiah repaired the section across from his house. Next was Benui, son of Henadad, who rebuilt another section of the wall from Azariah's house to the angle and the corner. Halal, son of Uzziah, carried on the work from a point opposite the angle and the tower that projects up from the king's upper house beside the court of the guard. Next to him were Pedaiah, son of Parosh, with the temple servants living on the hill of Ophel, who repaired the wall as far as a point across from the water gate to the east and the projecting tower. Then came the people of Tekoa, who repaired another section across from the great projecting tower and over to the wall of Ophel. Above the horse gate, the priests repaired the wall. Each one repaired the section immediately across from his own house. Next, Zadok, son of Immer, also rebuilt a wall across from his own house. And beyond him was Shemaiah, son of Shechaniah, the gatekeeper of the east gate. Next, Hananiah, son of Shalemiah, and Hanun, the sixth son of Zalaf, repaired another section, while Meshulam, son of Berechiah, rebuilt the wall across from where he lived. Malachiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the wall as far as the housing for the temple servants and merchants across from the inspection gate. Then he continued as far as the upper room at the corner. The other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall from that corner to the Sheep Gate. Wow. That is so boring. It's like a list of people on a graduation program, or the credits at the end of a movie, or the donor list in a fundraising banquet booklet. Boring. It's only good to read if people you know are in it, or to check the spelling of your own name if you're in it, or perhaps to cheer for a graduate you know or are related to. At first glance, that's what it seems like to me anyway. But believe it or not, there is a message on teamwork in this chapter. 
Pray with me that God will help us see and live out that message. Father, at times the scriptures are hard to understand, especially those sections filled with hard-to-pronounce names and mundane tasks about places we know little or nothing about. But you have a message for us in these kinds of texts. So today we ask for help. Help us to see your message for us in Nehemiah 3. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This detailed list of who rebuilt which section of the wall of Jerusalem is hardly compelling. But careful study of the list uncovers insights for us that address core issues about how God works in the world. I have gleaned four rather obvious and yet profoundly significant lessons from my study in Nehemiah chapter 3. The first lesson, God's work is done through people. Story is told of a pastor of a small country church in New Hampshire. While out visiting his people one day, he came upon a farmer working in his field, and the pastor was eager to compliment the farmer. So he said, you and God have certainly done a wonderful job. With typical New England wit, the farmer responded, yeah, but you should have seen what this was like when God worked it alone. God could hardly have built a wall around the city, could certainly have built a wall around the city of Jerusalem. After all, he made the mountain ranges, which are the most magnificent walls on earth. Don't get me wrong. Rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem was God's work. It was God who stirred the heart of Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Nehemiah chapter 1. It was God who stirred the heart of King Artaxerxes to support and send Nehemiah to Jerusalem with all the resources he needed to rebuild the city and its walls. That's Nehemiah 2. And it was God who stirred the hearts of the people of Jerusalem and the surrounding area to rebuild the wall. God initiates his work, but often accomplishes it through people. Repeatedly, the Bible reveals God's pattern of initiation and putting people to work to accomplish it. God called a man, Abram, to make a nation that began with the birth of a single child in his old age. God called another man, Moses, to lead his people from slavery when he was 80 years old. God called a woman, Deborah, to restore his people to faithfulness in the days of the judges. And God called another woman, Mary, to give birth to his son, Jesus, the Messiah. The work God wants done in the world he created and on behalf of the people he loves, is done through people, people like you and me. A second lesson, leaders also serve. In Nehemiah 3, we see that the leaders in most cases were serving alongside those they led. In verse 1, the high priest and the other priests started to rebuild. In verse 22, repairs were made by the priests and the surrounding region. In verses 9, 12, 14, 15, 16, 17, and 19, leaders are also doing the work. There was one group of leaders, however, that didn't get the memo. In verse 5, next were the people of Tekoa, though their leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. We don't know how the people of Tekoa felt as they worked on the wall and noticed that every other section was being built by craftsmen, 
merchants, and leaders. We can only imagine that this scene left a negative impression, so much so that it was noted by Nehemiah in his writings. Leadership does not exempt one from serving. In fact, greatness in God's kingdom here on earth is noted by how we serve. Servant leadership is the style God has always fostered and expected. And servant leadership is the style of Jesus, whose life we are to imitate. Remember, Jesus said, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28. The painting I most treasure in my office, and it's been in my offices since I began ministry, is a statement on servant leadership. Most specifically, it's about parental servant leadership. It says, My children are watching me live, so I can't stand here pointing my finger to the heights I want them to scale. I must start climbing, and they will follow. General Dwight Eisenhower was a great leader who understood the power of servant leadership. When he commanded new subordinates, he taught them about working with people using a simple piece of string. He placed the string on a table in front of him and say, pull it and it'll follow you wherever you wish. Push it and it will go nowhere at all. You can draw people into partnership in the work. You can't push them, at least sustainably. And you do the work with those who come. There's a third lesson. God's work calls for total participation. A.W. Tozer wrote, and I quote, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves, end of quote. Everyone matters, and God wants us all to participate. In verse 2, People from the town of Jericho worked next to them. In verse 27, then came the people of Tekoa who replaced another section. These people don't even live in Jerusalem, but they came to work. It's like they were a mission team from Jericho and Tekoa coming to help their neighbors in Jerusalem. In verse 8, goldsmiths and perfume makers are doing the work. The artisans are working at rebuilding the wall in the city. In verse 12, Shalom, son of Kol Hosea, and his daughters repaired the next section. Fathers and daughters are working together. In verse 32, other goldsmiths and merchants repaired the wall. Small business owners, retail folk, the craftsmen of all kind are doing the work together. To restore God's city to a safe and secure place, a place where worship and community can prosper, requires participation by everyone, including God who initiates and inspires them all. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, is proof of God's participation in the work. Jesus, God's only begotten Son, comes. And Jesus works salvation on the cross. Jesus reproduces himself in the lives of people who believe in him. And Jesus gifts individuals to work together as his body so that his work of loving and blessing and leading to salvation will continue. In Ephesus 4, excuse me, Ephesians 4, 
in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul writes about complete participation when he gives us the metaphor of the body of Christ, each person being a necessary part of the body and each person having a function, a work to fulfill for and with the body. In verse 22 of 1 Corinthians 12, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. Paul is particularly good at reminding us that each participant has significant value. During the 1800s, a famous organist traveled from town to town across America giving concerts. It was in the days of the old pump organs, so in each town he would hire a boy to work the pump behind the organ during the concert. After a performance in one town, he couldn't shake the young boy he'd hired, and as the organist walked toward his hotel after the concert, the boy said to him, We sure had a great concert tonight, didn't we? The organist turned and said, You mean I had a great concert tonight? You only pumped the organ. Now go home. The next night, the organist gave another concert in the same town, and once again the boy worked the bellows behind the scenes. The opening piece of the concert was a beautiful fugue by Bach. But as the performer masterfully played the notes of the second piece, the music suddenly stopped, his rapid fingering bringing nothing more than a faint clicking sound from the keyboard. That's when the little boy stuck his head around the corner of the organ, smiled, and said to the maestro, We aren't having a very good concert tonight, are we? A successful work requires partnership. A successful partnership requires recognizing the importance of every participant. And there's a fourth lesson from Nehemiah 3. Meaning is found in our piece of the wall. To know the scriptures is good. It's a good start. To do the scriptures is essential. As James writes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James 1, over the next few months, we will begin the rebuilding of our ministry at Bethany. Each one of us will have an important role to play in that rebuilding. All of us will be needed for financial support. Some have skills and will be needed for manual labor, preparing places for ministry events, preparing meals for people to be fed, joining the lawn cutting team, helping on a workday, painting a room, and so forth. Some have skills and will be needed for child care and children's ministry, serving in the nursery during worship or during Bible classes, teaching or assisting in children's Christian formation classes or midweek programs, or possibly vacation Bible camp and more. Some have skills and will be needed for youth ministry, serving as a teacher or counselor, for transportation, for assisting in various outreach or serving ministries with youth and more. Some have skills that will be needed for worship ministry, greeting people arriving for worship, ushering people to their seating places, singing in the choir or chorale or worship team, playing an instrument, reading scripture, preparing and serving communion, and more. Each of us will have a responsibility for our place on the wall, our piece of the ministry that will help us reach and disciple children, young people, adults, and families by inviting them to know God 
inspiring them to follow Jesus, and involving them in service to our neighbors both near and far. But there's the challenge that each of us must face. Maybe for you, it will mean to re-up in some type of serving, like what you did perhaps prior to the pandemic. Or maybe for you, it will mean upping in a new way, a new involvement in ministry, perhaps even a new ministry. Maybe for you, it will mean upping for the first time, beginning to serve as doers of the word, actual partners in the ministry here at Bethany. And maybe for you, it will mean re-engaging after a time away from serving. For all of us, it means personal participation, certainly through prayer, financial giving, and direct involvement in the work of the God-given mission of Bethany Covenant Church. May Jesus Christ be praised by Bethany Covenant Church in our worship and through our service together. May each of us contribute to the praise of Jesus Christ by our personal praise to God as worshipers and servers throughout the week. May each of us contribute to the praise of Jesus Christ and his church by our witness to our neighbors so that they too will come to praise Jesus in their life. This is God's will for us. This is God's plan. May we each and all together carry out God's plan to invite, inspire, and involve. We may have begun with a boring reading with lots of strange names and places, but there's a message for us here, and I thank God for Nehemiah chapter 3. Amen.